0: The Bible reading is found on page 899 in our church Bibles. At our home group on Tuesday, we were talking about the very things that are in this scripture that I'm going to read now. So it pleases me to know that the Lord leads us even in our conversations and scripture verifies the things that we were talking about. From Daniel 12, verses 1 to 3. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress, such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord.
1: The Gospel reading is taken from Luke Chapter 10, verses 1 to 9, can be found in page 1041 in the Church Bibles. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings? replied Jesus. Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are about to be fulfilled? Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claiming I am he, and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumours of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places, and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. This is the gospel of the Lord.
2: Please do have a seat, and Tracy's going to come and talk to us. Oh, there you are. <laughs> sudden panic because I couldn't see you. <laughs> Oh, is that better? Oh <laughs> Yeah, it was it's showing on, but obviously not so so uh. hey, good morning. Let's, let's pray before I start. Oh Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that your word has the power to bring comfort and encouragement and direction in difficult times. Oh Lord, I pray that. Your Holy Spirit will bring these words of yours to life in our hearts and minds this morning, Father, to change us and to comfort us. For your glory's sake. Amen. Amen. I must confess that uh, when I was given this uh, passage and read it through a few uh, weeks ago, I was more than a little daunted, as you can imagine. And um, but I was quite comforted as I did some research to uh, realize that a lot of eminent preachers and speakers also had the same problems and the same fears when they came uh, to preach on this particular passage. And um, over the last few days, as i 've been watching the news of the violence and the murder in Paris on friday i 've just been struck again with how grateful I am that we can turn to God, we can turn to God in prayer, and we can turn to his word and those words I pray just now are the words that really I feel god 's given me for this passage that it can bring comfort and encouragement and direction. How do we respond in these difficult times, and the whole of Mark thirteen, the chapter of mark thirteen is commonly known as the Little Apocalypse, as it is very, very similar to a lot of the, um, the themes in the book of Revelation, talking about the end times. And it doesn't make for easy reading, but it has such a relevance for us as Christians today. And at the start of our passage, the disciples got a little bit more than they bargained for, they were focusing on the physical magnificence of the buildings of the temple. But Jesus was quick to dismiss this, speaking of destruction of these buildings, warning of deceivers in the church, describing alarming signs to the ends of the world. And scholars believe that Mark was writing sometime after the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. And so some of what jesus was talking about in the passage had already happened or was was happening the church is in really shifting times with the differences between judaism and christianity really brought into sharp focus false teachers were leading people astray in jesus name and it would have been a really bleak period with much uncertainty for the early christians they were facing persecution and they just didn't know when Jesus would return. And of course not much has changed two centuries on, has it? The events in Paris are a stark reminder of that. We are surrounded by wars, by famines, by earthquakes. Christians are being persecuted, people are being deceived and distracted. And when, oh when, is Jesus coming back? So where do we find the good news of the gospel in this passage? Well, I feel that far from scaring us, it can indeed bring that comfort and that encouragement and that direction for how we are to act in difficult times. The disciples are told not to be alarmed. These things are no surprise to God. Jesus said such things must happen. It echoes something he says to the disciples in John sixteen thirty three, And I'm going to read from the Amplified Translation because it really brings out a little bit more of the meaning. In the world you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. But be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted. For I have overcome the world... I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Yes, Christians may be persecuted, they may be put to death. We may live through very, very challenging times. But ultimately and eternally, Jesus has our backs. And we can feel the same alarm as the disciples when we hear of terrible things going on in the world. The future may appear bleak if we just focus on what's in front of us. In fact, my 17-year-old niece has already started worrying about student debt and not being able to get a mortgage. And she said to her parents recently in despair, is there any hope for my generation? Isn't that sad? Christ is where our hope is to be found. And at the end of our service, we're going to go out to a wonderful, wonderful hymn. And I want you to read the, the first four verses, because this really sums up what I'm talking about. In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. And as we go out... I'd invite us all to make that a prayer and a declaration. In Christ alone, our hope is found. What are we focusing on? The Disciples were just looking at what was in front of them, the magnificence of the buildings that would pass away, and Jesus was not really interested in that. Are we so focused on what's in front of us that we forget to to prepare for what's ahead? We need to build our house on the rock. It's a little bit like preparing for retirement and there's an important balance to be struck here, isn't there? You have to live now but you have to make decisions that will provide adequately for the future. If you put all of your money into the future, what are you going to live on today? So there's a a very fine line isn't there between living now and preparing for the future and that's the balance that we are called to to be challenged by as Christians the commentator David Lowes put it like this we're called to live now allowing the promises of God about the future to infuse every present moment I really like that, called to live now Allowing the promises of God about the future to infuse every present moment. How would we live if we did that? So many people want to know what's going to happen in the future. And when is it going to happen? Look at all the psychic fairs around. You You have to drive around this area, don't you, to see the wealth of, of psychic fairs and things that are going on. People are want to know there's a popularity of horoscopes. And and so it was with the disciples. They wanted to know what when? When's when's all this stuff going to happen? But they didn't get an answer to when destruction would come. But they did get signs which Jesus described as the beginning of birth pains. And I don't have children, but I know that birth pains are not the same as actually giving birth. They're a sign that something ultimately wonderful is going to happen. So like the disciples, we need to be prepared. There isn't any time for complacency. There's a sense of urgency about the future that we need to be ready, even if these things are not actually taking place. But we need to accept that we might need to go through some stuff as we prepare But we will experience that joy that birth will bring. The chance to live forever with Jesus, to have eternal life when we accept him. Those of you who are mothers will know that births don't always go to plan. They don't always go in the timing that you expect. You have to be prepared for every eventuality. New mums, um, expectant mums will have their bag packed for hospital, maybe weeks before if any of you watch The Apprentice, you'll know that when the, uh, dis- when the candidates go into the board- boardroom to find out who's going to be fired, they all have their bags with them. Who's going to go? They don't know. They have to be prepared for every eventuality. And the disciples needed encouragement from Jesus to keep going. They would be the founders of the church that we, that we see today. We're still, it's still growing. We're the next generation of disciples. We need encouragement to keep going. We need to be able to keep giving the love of God, the light of God, in darkness and despair. We need to offer that hope. Jesus said later in this chapter that only God knows when the end times will come. And so that's, those are not our concerns We don't need to be asking, when will these things happen? We just need to do our part, to do what Jesus says, to follow him. That message of urgency to the disciples was also to the early church that Mark was writing to, and for us today. If you look through the whole of this chapter, there's there's a pattern. Watch. Be alert. Be on your guard. The chapter ends with the word watch. Don't be complacent. Don't rest on our laurels. Keep alert. We don't necessarily have all the time in the world, but maybe we have longer than we think. Jesus calls us to be ready all of the time. We don't need to be anxious. We can just look to the Holy Spirit to guide us. Very soon after our passage ends, Jesus says that don't be worried about what to say when in difficult times. The Holy Spirit will give you words. The Holy Spirit is is our resource at all times. In the wake of the Paris attacks, a phrase that's often used is, we are on high alert. The world is on high alert. We're all told to be vigilant. But at the same time, people are saying, I'm not going to change my plans. I'm not going to be st- set off course by these things because then evil triumphs. And I think that's a message to us as Christians as well, not to get s- taken off course when bad things happen, to keep faithful to keep alert, to keep offering the words of love, and light, and hope. To keep doing Jesus' work. God has, and always will be, in charge. He knows the end of the story. Our Old Testament reading from Daniel offers further end time encouragement. Yes, there will be a time of distress, But those who belong to the Lord, who've come to him, who accept him, who are written in his book of life, will be saved for eternity. And there's the good news, the wonderful promise. Those who are wise. Who are those who are wise? They're those who trust in God. Who who don't allow themselves to be distracted and set off course and deceived. Trust in him and not necessarily in what they see in front of them. And those who lead others in righteousness. Who are those who lead into righteousness? Well, as the church, as disciples, we're called to make further disciples. Through our lives, through our witness, the way we lead our lives, the words we speak as we we offer the words of hope in a dark world we have that chance to lead others in righteousness. And Daniel says that when we do that, we shine like the brightness of heaven, like stars forever and ever. So we have a job to do in the midst of the darkness, confident in the future, confident that we will be with God at the end of the story. We have a job to do now, to keep faithful, to keep vigilant. And I'd like to close with something that uh, I read just last night which really spoke to me. A friend uh, of ours has a son who has uh, got a part in a big West End show and it was his first night on uh, Friday night. And um, she was a little bit hesitant about putting anything on Facebook in the wake of what had happened in Paris. But she was urged to by friends and family. And uh, here are some of the responses... So pleased you shared. Never stop posting good news. What a shining light. That could have been Christian's writing, couldn't it? That was just a random group of friends and family on Facebook. So pleased you shared. Never stop posting good news. What a shining light. So let's keep the faith. Let's, as uh, one politician said this week hold our nerve. I like that phrase. Let's hold our nerve and keep doing what Jesus did, trusting in the Father and what he says, and reaching out to people with the good news in the midst of the darkness and the persecution and the despair. Amen.